everybody. Thank you so much for investing a little of your time here. Uh, get better at business. I'm Travis Richards, and I'm speaking again to my dear friend and Enneagram expert, Melissa Baxter. As I was preparing for this, I'm trying to remember how, what, the, what are the circumstances under which we know each other? Like now we're friends and we have been for a long time, but I'm just trying to like think back to like, how are we, like, how did we meet? I don't even remember. I know the first time. Well, do you want the first time or do you want the second time? <laughs> well, okay. I think that the first time that we met is that you came here to Catco, my business to talk about, uh, cancer fundraising. Yes. Uh, fundraising to fight cancer, not to, not to, you know, support. <laughs> right. We don't want to endorse that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, came for that. And so we, we met, you know, for a hot minute, you know, whatever through a mutual friend. But after that, like, I mean, like, so that was the time that we met, but I try, I'm trying to think of like, that was definitely not the moment that we became friends. Oh, no. I think that was in 2014 or 15. Um, and we then went to Belize together. Ah, on a group that's trip right. In yeah, 2017. Yeah. Um, yes. So I think it was three years later. And um, it was one of those things where like, we knew we knew, but we didn't know. And so it was, it was, uh, it was interesting to be like, wait, okay, I think, yes. 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 And then, and then we spent actual time together and it was really, it was a great time. And I learned yes. so much about you. I learned that you were in the air force and that was, so, that was so cool. And I got to hear your story about how that happened. And, um, thank you again for your service. Cause I still think your, your story is amazing. And I, I think about it every, uh, every September 11th, actually. Oh, well that, that's a story for another time, I guess. But yeah, no, I had you kind of forgotten that story. Cause it's awesome. <laughs> well, the, uh, so the, yeah, I had forgotten that, you know, Belize was kind of like the, we had hang we had hung out for a few times prior to that, I'm sure, like through mutual friends or whatever. Was New Year's Eve? Oh, it was the New Year's Eve before that. You're right, wasn't it? Because that was the New Year's Eve you brought Crystal the first time. Yes. At the pro. It was the That's six, right. It was 16 to 17. That was where I first met you. I just, I yes. take it back. And so that we was we went the... in a group. Yeah. But I don't think we spent a whole lot of time like as the group when we got there. Like we all kind of dissipated and went everywhere, right? No, everybody went out to their whole, everybody went out to their whole deals, you know, just, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, so I guess that the lesson here is that if you're, if you're running a business and somebody calls to, you know, cold calls you to say, Hey, I want to come talk to you about, you know, fundraising or whatever. Don't just categorically <laughs> say no. You may end up with like a cool friend out of the deal, you know, or it's just like, That's you know, so maybe true. you'll circle back or maybe you'll circle back around to it. And, uh, yeah, it I is, it. it is crazy. Well, the, uh, so in part one with Melissa, if you have not listened to that, you really need to go back and check it out. We talked about knowing thyself. You know, we talked a little bit about typing stuff in general. Uh, the Enneagram, which is a system that is more about your personality than your behavioral traits, um, but it is kind of in the same, you know, cousins to DISC and Myers-Briggs and those types of things. It's a great uh, word, cousins. Yeah. And so we, yeah, so we talked about that, um, but that was mostly about you. And now... We are going to get into what Melissa is really passionate about, which is about relationships with other people and uh, specifically as it relates to how do people that are kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum uh, in, in, in some personality or behavioral uh, trait kind of bridge that gap. And so uh, I think that many of us that are married have a little bit of experience with this because we like we, we kind of tend to pair off in opposite ends or whatever. And so our uh, 
via the Enneagram or other systems or whatever, are you and your husband, Brian, like kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum? Yes, I am um, the most relational number on the Enneagram. He is the least emotional number on the Enneagram. <laughs> <laughs> or relational, sorry, not yeah. emo- relational and emotional if you put them together, actually. So that has been a challenge. <laughs> yeah, so you are, you are a type two, which is the helper. And so what type is what type is he? He is, um, uh, funny enough, not thrilled about the Enneagram <laughs> and is interested <laughs> in it as I am, um, speaking of opposites. So we've, we've narrowed down. He's either a six with a very strong five wing. Um, and just to kind of clarify, a wing is your number on either side of you, like the way birds have wings on either side of them. You as a, as a number can, can access traits from either number on either side as well. And um, so Brian is either a six with a very strong five wing or he's a five with a very strong six wing. He's one of those two things. Yeah. And we, we haven't solidified which number he is. <laughs> yes. Well, so there's a um, so anyway, I think that, you know, all of us, you know, in various aspects of our lives are dealing with people that are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, in. In non-professional relationships and particularly in marriages, you know, there is a uh, a toolkit that exists to uh, you know bridge the gap and strengthen your relationship that is clearly not available to us whenever we are at the office and working with our colleagues. And so, uh, what about? So I guess that for this, for the purposes of this discussion, let's you know let's keep it at work, where we're talking about where you know, and so those are kind of the boundaries that we have to operate within as far as uh, you know, like. How do we kind of bridge this gap? But one that is very kind of near and dear to my heart is uh, I find that there are people that have, there's a spectrum of how much detail somebody wants to feel comfortable and confident with some tasking that we're working on or direction or whatever. And some people want a lot of detail. Some people want to leave everything, you know, very gray without a lot of detail. And so in, in which 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 end of the spectrum are you on personally as it comes to that? I you know what's funny is I I always thought I was a very detailed person. Um, I realize I actually like flexibility more because I'm able to meet different needs uh, when I'm more flexible. But I push myself. I feel like I need to be more detail oriented. So a lot of times I push myself into that. And it depends, I think, on the urgency of the situation as well. Like if this is a needs to happen tomorrow, I want all the details like right now. If this is like an out in the future thing, we'll get to it. I'm not yeah. that worried about it. And, and you know, and, and you also, uh, I, I know that whether you're still doing this or not, I know that at one point you were like the church lady for weddings oh, at, still. Mm-hmm. at your, your church. And mm-hmm. so... The church lady for weddings. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like that. Well, like I think that most people know what that is. But anyway, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So I'm just not eighty, which is the difference. (laughs) (laughs) So clearly, uh, you know, needing lots of detail in a situation like that. But um, and what are your just observations? You know, kind of especially you know now that you are more familiar with uh, kind of looking at people through a lens of personality types, you know, the Enneagram specifically, just kind of what are some of your observations of where you think the friction comes up whenever you have one person that is the, you know, proverbial control freak and the other side of the spectrum where it's just, uh, you know, loosey goosey all the time, gray, you know, no, there is no black and white, all gray. What, like, what kind of, what are your observations of people whenever you see those types of conflicts arise at, at, in 
professional settings. Absolutely. My first reaction is, honestly, it's just a lack of understanding and communication, which I think at the end of the day is really what everything boils down to and why I do really appreciate companies. Um, I, I started at a new company. Um, I have my 60-day review this week. So 60 days ago. And some one of the reasons I really am excited to work here is because they value understanding and they value learning and to the point where i've taken i think four assessments at this point Uh i've loved every single one of them but what they make everyone do them and so what that provides and then they show results so disc is one that we really like at our company and after i took the disc disc assessment and it showed me what little quadrant i was in it we then looked at the team as a whole and what that allowed me to do is understand okay great who thinks like i do who can i just communicate the exact way I normally do, I don't need to adjust anything. And then who is on the opposite side of this square that is not gonna understand when I tell them X, Y, Z. I'm gonna, I'm going to need to adjust myself and my communication if I want them to understand what I'm saying. Because me forcing it down their throat isn't gonna get anywhere. So I think it's it's a both parties need to understand where the other is so that one, no offense is taken, and two, understanding can can adjustments can be made to make that clearer path. Yeah. So what has been is, you know, kind of being armed with that knowledge. And especially since it's all very new and fresh since you just started, uh, you know, 60 days ago. What how has this experience been different for you than other times that you've started at a company where, you know, do you find that it's, you know, I mean, do you see the results? Do you find that it's less frustrating and that your ramp up has been quicker as you've done this? I, I do, because I understand what is needed from me better um and i'm actually going to go to my last job uh, as a better example when i was um when i was 22 and just started in the workforce i worked for a wedding venue specifically and i was very very young didn't understand myself didn't understand corporate didn't understand anything Mm -hmm. and so i would get very upset when i would be directed to and wasn't given a chance to express my opinion and i didn't understand why like i didn't understand why that was the culture there and i didn't understand where they were coming from i just understood how i felt and now, 10 years later, plus, that's upsetting, um, <laughs> it, I understand in my last job, my, my direct supervisor was much more micromanaging, and I don't like that. But I understood where she was coming from and how that was a comfort to her. So when she would do that, it, I, I didn't get offended anymore. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about my performance. It wasn't about my situation. It was about her need to be involved because that's what made her feel secure. So it took less pressure off me to feel... Like I had to live up to a standard that I wasn't comfortable with. So uh, did the two of you achieve clarity around that, about the, around that understanding between the two of you of like, you know, hey, this is, uh, you know, because like you, you say the term micromanage, right? And everybody just, you know, everybody just freaks out, right? And it's just like, nobody likes a micromanager or whatever. But it's like, I, I would say that, uh, you know, clearly it's like y'all were on the same team. Y'all both wanted success. Did y'all like get that stuff out in the open and have a conversation about ways to work together? Or was it just something that kind of lived in the background you had to navigate on your own? Just kind of how did that work and how did it end up? Sure. So actually how it happened in the first place is my first week there, I, it was a very small company, like five people small. So I recommended that we do the Enneagram test. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, not as a, seriously, not as just like a, hey, you should do this, but like mm-hmm. it just worked. It was what I knew. And so I suggested, let's all do this so we can know where each other is and how we work. So after that was established, I understood she was a three, I was a two. Okay, great. We're going to get along a lot, but there are going to be some differences because she is much more driven than I am. And she is much more concerned about being successful 
and I'm more concerned about being liked. So as we continue to work together, a specific scenario is we would work on a deck for a client and we'd be reviewing it together and she would go in and change things. Like she would just reword a sentence. And so finally, knowing again, it wasn't about me, it was about her. I, I finally told her after one of our meetings, I said, you know, I really appreciate your feedback. I noticed that you tend to rewrite my sentences. Is there something I'm doing wrong? Is there a better way you would like me to phrase this? So I, so that you don't have to, like I, tr- I was, I phrased it. I knew what was going to appeal to her and it was that she would have more time to focus on other projects and get more accomplished. That was how she needed that sentence to be phrased. If I had come in and been like, you do this all the time, like, what are, like, why are you doing this to me? That's immediately going to create defensiveness. So it, it allowed me to phrase my question in a way that I knew would, she would understand because I understood where her motivation was coming from, but also get what I needed, which is I need you to stop doing. Like, I need you to not do this anymore because I now feel like you don't like what I'm doing and that's upsetting me. I guess kind of like the, so since you have some experience with somebody that you have kind of typed as a, like, you know, micromanage, you know, like kind of has that, that tendency and fits a little bit of that mold, you know, how would you, like, what is your, you know, assessment or like, you know, how, how would you describe that, um, I don't know, I guess kind of in more positive terms, like looking at it from the opposite perspective of like, you know, clearly, like I said before, it's like, this is not because this person wants to make your life difficult and they don't want you to be successful. It's that there is something else that's going on. And so just, you know, based on your observations, how would you describe kind of what a lot of people think of as micromanagers? Like what, what's another way that you could describe that, that might frame it in a little bit of a different light? There are a lot of really great things about people who care about the details. They are very thorough. They are very um, dedicated. And they, they want to make sure that the product they're putting out is quality product. And it is it, it, because it represents them. And so you're right. The, you're right, the term micromanager is not nice. <laughs> people do kind of get upset about that. But the problem to me about micromanaging is, is there's a lack of trust. And that's what creates that need to look or handle themselves instead of allowing whomever else to do that. And so to approach situations like that, instead of going directly at you do this and I feel, um, a technique that I learned is if you just say, I noticed that, can you tell me why? That helps frame it in a different mind so that the person doesn't feel attacked, but it shows that you as the other party are noticing a behavior that may not be working best for the team or you yourself. So can you tell me why is that? Why, why are you feeling this way? Why is this important to you? It creates understanding. It creates an opportunity for communication and it, it stops the narrative that we tell ourselves and allows for the true narrative to come through. Yeah. And so I think that that is actually, you know, that that's, that's a huge point is that it does, is that it allows the, you know, it allows that true narrative to come through and like, I, I think that the kind of the myth that is out there about people that are the control freak, the micromanager, whatever, is that they have an insatiable appetite for detail and specifics. That it's just like, it doesn't, like, and it kind of can create this sort of, like, feeling of, like, it doesn't matter how much detail I give this person, they're always going to want more. But in, in my, you know, at, at least in my experience, like that's not necessarily always true is that it's kind of the challenge is to kind of frame things up in a way of like, okay, if, if we can, you know, how would you feel 
if we generate this level of, if, if we generate this level of detail, we provide this kind of information, you know, um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on what, like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that it is, is it true that it's not that there is no level of detail that will satisfy them? It's just that, you know, it's, it's all about kind of getting down to the core of, I don't know, kind of what they feel and how they, and what they want. Yeah, absolutely. I, again, I think, I think the control freak, uh, micromanaging mindset comes from a place of um of not knowing of of not having all of the information that they feel they need and that's that's the struggle is because the person that wants to know all the information doesn't or can't communicate to the other person this is what i need so i think um i listened to i mean nerdily all of your other podcasts before i tell you <laughs> know what to expect um but the the gentleman you spoke to about systems scott scott yeah oh yeah mm -hmm. scott okay so and processes and i think this ties it back in really well because if that if if this is a constant thing that it, there's a specific project that i constantly need more detail that allows you to create a process of this is what i need these are the information points i need that way person two can know what to expect and doesn't feel like it's never enough I yeah. think the problem falls in that expectations are not communicated properly and then self-narrative comes in. And I went to a seminar yesterday, actually an HR seminar, and they talked about how humans process everything in story. And I didn't really understand that until he said it. And I was like, oh, absolutely we do. And so the problem is when you don't have all the information to fill in the story, you make up your own story. And that's almost never the actual story. Yeah. So... I got here. This is kind of like a working theory here. And so we can just kind of work this out and like, you can, you know, please, you know, challenge this if this does not make sense. But, um, I think here's, I think that people that are kind of considered to be, uh, sort of, you know, kind of the control freak, so to speak, are thought of as being very like analytical, logical, you know, almost unemotional because it's like they always want this detail, 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 detail. I actually think that all of that stuff, it is, it's coming from actually an emotional place. And the way that I think that you, you sort of bridge that gap is asking the question of, you know, asking, a, just calling out and asking about the emotion and saying like, if we had this info, like, if we had all of this information, if I provided you with these, you know, 10 measurements, how would that feel? How would you feel about this result that we are trying to achieve? And to me, it's like, that's kind of the operative question because there are some circumstances, you know, if the answer is like, if I had all of that, I would still be really nervous about it. It's like, okay, well, we haven't hit on what, on, on what you really need. Let's look for, let's explore, you know, let's explore, let's explore what else you, you know, under what circumstances would you feel better about it? Um, but I think that that's kind of the thing that is, that will unlock some really good communication is not asking like about the logic, the detail, the analysis, but really asking about the emotion of like, if you had this level of detail, how would you feel? So that's my theory. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. And if that rings true with your experience and expertise. Sure. And it's funny, as, as we're kind of talking, I'm, I'm picturing when we keep talking about analytical and micromanaging, a couple numbers in the Enneagram keep lighting up, but also in DISC, because I've spent so much time in DISC lately, um, you know, the C kind of keeps lighting up for me there. Um, and so 
and and the funny part about the disc and what I don't like about it is that it doesn't bring emotion into it. It brings behavior into it. And so my my boss and I have talked about it when he's a he's a D a DI and so he doesn't want any of that C. Like that's too much. It's it's overwhelming. He doesn't like it. And so but someone who needs all that C that's very that drains him of energy. And so then he gets stressed out when he has to provide that information. And so that's his feeling. That's why he doesn't want to give it because it it's it's draining of energy to him. Whereas the C person is I, I would I would say that kind of comes from a place of fear or uh, of just being like incapable or not um, not fully prepared um, and getting to that why part is really difficult of why doesn't that make you feel prepared what what are you afraid of happening if you don't have this information what is the story you're telling yourself again yes. coming back to story what story are you telling yourself is going to happen. And I, I totally agree with you. I think in workplace settings for so many years, emotions were never allowed. They weren't appropriate. And what I love about I, the pandemic was not great. Like, let's just, let's just <laughs> be very clear. I'm not supporting the pandemic. Yeah. But I think a lot of really, really good things came out of the pandemic for being a human being. And I think that being able to not be okay at work and understand people's actual humanity and emotions became appropriate because we weren't able to express them anywhere else. Um, and so by allowing that conversation to start coming into the workplace in an appropriate way, I'm not saying come in every sure. day and be like, Oh, my life is over and doing super dramatic. Cause that's no one wants that. But coming in and saying, you know what? Like I had to put my dog down yesterday. I'm not doing great today. So just know I'm not going to be able to be available for whatever. And being honest about where your availability lies helps create so much more of that communication because now you're not like, well, why is Melissa upset? Like, what did I say something again? Story. You're not giving yourself your own narrative. You're allowing the actual truth to drive that narrative. And I think that the, uh, I, I like the story point. And I think that that Kind of, you know, ties ties into also what I, you know, kind of this theory that I have is that the, you know, story inherently is emotional, right? I mean, story is not like, you know, that's why we read books and watch movies and you know, TV shows is that we, you know, we want to emote and feel, and we that that's the way that we process it all is through story. And so I think that simply leaving it at what reports do we want. What data do we need? What measurements? What KPIs do we have? But being able to tie that back, especially with someone that does need a whole lot of detail of being able to tie it back to that emotion and just painting it as a story. It's like, okay, hey, look, let's say that you walked into the office today and you had these three reports that gave you this data about these things that you were concerned about and these results that, you're, you know, that we are trying to achieve as a team. You know, if you saw that and you saw those numbers where it's like, how would you feel? And it's like, that is kind of, you know, that kind of completes that loop, that story loop of it, you know, and if there, and if there are still gaps in there, if there's still whatabouts of like, well, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? It's like, well, now at least you have a framework that you can work from in someplace where you're starting. And so I, I like the, I like the story processes that, you know, the, the, the person that is desiring a great amount of detail the reason they want more is because they don't like the story that they are telling themselves whenever they are without it. 100%. That's a great way to frame that. And I think the important part about, about this whole concept is it's not on one person. 
it's not on the control freak and the micromanager to always explain. It's also on whomever they're dealing with to ask. The world, in my experience, people forget that other people don't think the same way they do. And I know I said this last time too, but it's you grow up thinking one way. And so you have to educate yourself that other people don't think that way. And not only, okay, like I understand other people think differently as a concept. Cool. But actually getting to those hows, and that's where pieces like the Myers-Briggs, DISC, Enneagram, Predictive Index, understanding what those other pieces are, not just who you are, helps enlighten you so that when situations come up, like someone rewrites your PowerPoint that you worked on for two hours, you're able to say, okay, that's upsetting. I'm not okay with this. But why would they do that? Like what, what other thought cross could possibly be going on here? that I am not aware of so that it doesn't create discord. It creates an opportunity for communication and understanding. Yeah. And I, and I think that really it's uh, your point about the how being so important is quite relevant that I, because I think that it's like at the end of the day, people, especially in a business setting or whatever, is that it's like, we're, we, we edit at the core. We want the same things. We want success, you know, for the team, we want to achieve the results that we have set out for. We want to uh, feel like we are contributing. And as it relates to, you know, and the, the person that uh, needs a lot of detail and the person who does not need a lot of detail, they both actually want the same thing. They want to be confident and clear. And it's just, it, it's, a, it's an important thing to understand that the person that needs a lot of detail, they want that detail because they want to feel confident and clear about what they're trying to do and the detail helps them get there. That is their how. Whereas somebody on the other end of the, of the spectrum, all of that detail just creates a bunch of complexity and threatens the confidence and clarity that they also want. And they achieve their, you know, they achieve those feelings through having, uh, you know, but through having flexibility and being able to keep things a little bit more gray and having opportunity to move laterally. It's not, but at the end of the day, both people want the same thing. I think, I think that both people want the same thing. It's not like, the person that doesn't want detail is like, you know, I just really don't want this to be clear. I really just want this to be ambiguous and confusing. <laughs> I, <laughs> I totally agree with you. I think at the end of the day, something I've realized as I've gotten older is everyone wants to feel seen. That's it. No one wants to walk through the world and feel like no one sees them or understands them or everyone wants to be seen and wants to think that they are valued and they are. It's just allowing the opportunity to, to understand how that could be different from you. And the only way to do that is to educate yourself on, on, the, on the house. How, how could that possibly happen? Um, and we put so much effort. I know we're focusing on business because that's what this podcast is about. But if we take our example of marriage, you and your spouse would not communicate well nor have a good marriage if you didn't try to understand where the other person is coming from when you have a fight. You would get nowhere. You probably wouldn't be married. So we, we take extra care, usually, to take that step back when there's a fight and come back and say, I don't, can you explain to me why this was so important to you? Can you tell me how I upset you? Can you help me understand where you're coming from so that I can get on board and we can be work together for the common good? And while that's a very intimate relationship, the same concept can be applied to business and should be because it's sure. still relationships. Yes, it is. It is still relationships. And as I said at the beginning, it's like, look, you know, 
unless you're working at a company that is very different from any that I don't understand, you know, makeup sex is probably not an option that you are going to have in a professional <laughs> setting like really it might be in your marriage. <laughs> so it's a, uh, yeah. so it, obviously like the, the, the tools that are at our disposal are different in different types of relationships. But like I said, it all kind of comes down to the same thing. And it's, um, I just, as I kind of think back to my own experience of whenever I have been, you know, as someone who is a little bit more of a control freak, somebody that likes a lot of detail, the times that I feel very frustrated and I'm not getting what I want, what it all kind of comes back to is that it's just like, man, this, this person that I'm working, like they just don't understand and they don't understand. And when I say they don't understand, it's like, they don't understand me. They don't understand what I want. And that, you know, that, then that flows both ways where it's just kind of like, I also need to be able to put up the flag and say like, Hey, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand why you don't do this and not in an accusatory or, you know, way, but in a curious way of like, you know, Hey, so-and-so it's like, I really don't understand why you don't want to have this level of detail. I don't understand why. And, and, and just genuinely ask, but you know, coming together, you know, with, with, with your clothes on and in an appropriate way. <laughs> appropriate is, way. Yes. That is a, you know, yeah. A, 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 that is a tool that is available to all of us in all of our relationships is the desire to understand and, you know, get clear with, with the other party. Absolutely. Something I wrote down yesterday, actually, as well. Again, I was very, not nervous about this, but I, I wanted to sound very educated and smart when I um, spoke to you today. But something I noted yesterday in the conference as well, and taken heart, this is an HR conference, but I think it applies to the world. We're in the people, we're in the business of people, HR, but everyone, unless you work in a closet by yourself on a system, like you are in a people business. And so it behooves you to know how people work. And so if you're in the business of people, you need to understand how they work and you need to understand how you can work together. And again, not, not to plug the Enneagram, but something I really like about this system as well is a lot of the other typing programs like DISC, for example, DISC puts you in four boxes and there's an extended DISC that'll give you like more of that, but like it's four boxes. What I, what, and it doesn't tell you necessarily how those connect. But what I like about the Enneagram is it tells you your number, and we kind of mentioned wings earlier, so you can have traits of other numbers on either side. There's also um, what's called growth and stress. And so when you're in a place of growth, that your number tends to uh, take traits from another, a different number, a fourth number. When you're in stress, it goes to a, a fifth number. Um, and then there's other pieces of it that bring in whether it's your stance on the world or your conflict style, there is every single number connects to every other number. In, in, in some scenario, they are the same. They have something in common. And I love that. I love that so much because it shows that yes, y'all are different. Yes, I'm not gonna get along with someone who's uh, domineering because I'm afraid of that. That causes me fear. But there is some piece of both of those things somewhere that we can agree on and that we can find commonality and we can now work towards a common goal because we have something in common. If you can just find what that is, man, you're smooth sailing from then on. You're good. Yeah. And, you know, and it's a great, and, you know, the, you know, particularly in a business context is that there is a, uh, it's, you know, that commonality is much more discreet and clear uh, and, you know, in a lot, and in, in ways that a lot of relationships are, are not necessarily, you know, that don't have the benefit of that clarity where it's like, Hey, look, we are in business. And it's like, Hey, you know, we have a set of, you know, we, we have a set of objectives that we are trying to achieve. You know, we want to be profitable. We want to grow. We want to, you know, have customers that are happy and all that kind of stuff. And so you have like a, 
there is all that common ground that everybody has with one another. And it, like you said before, it's just kind of the hows that are different. And especially, you know, for any given problem, the way that somebody wants to attack it is going to be different from one type to the other. But, you know, if you're working together, it's a helpful bit of data to know how they want to do it and how that might be different from yours. Take, take the time and ask the scary question. And it's a terrifying question. It's, off, it's so scary to say, I noticed this. Can you tell me why? That is really scary because it opens up for possible conflict. But it also opens up for a greater solution and understanding and a much easier time moving forward. So we just have to be brave. And I don't like being brave all the time. It's not fun. But it leads to, like we were saying in the last one, it leads to better outcomes. Well, there's a, uh, I'll, I'll wrap it up with quoting uh, my, one of my favorites, Dan Sullivan. He talks about, uh, you know, the difference between courage and confidence is that confidence feels good. Courage feels bad. You know, it's like, it's <laughs> like that, that every, you know, like in, in our society, we often talk about courage as this, you know, great and admirable and amazing thing or whatever. But it's like, if you are enduring a period of courage in that moment, it does not feel good. You know, the benefits come from the other side of it, you know, gaining confidence and gaining capabilities comes from enduring, you know, a, a period of courage is something that has to be endured because it does not feel good. And it is scary, but all growth lies on the other side of courage. So, you know, the alternative is, you know, like, like I said, what's the alternative to being courageous, being stuck where you are, not getting better, having things that are deteriorating around you. Ah. Yeah. So when you describe it like that, courage doesn't sound all that bad, you know? No, it's just, and, and kind of like we said before too, I mean, you have to be uncomfortable to make change. You have to be uncomfortable. You can either be uncomfortable while you're being courageous or you can just be uncomfortable. <laughs> That's where you're going to live. <laughs> so take your, take your poison. Pick your poison. Yeah. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. Exactly. exactly. Big bottle well, small bottle. Well, it has been just fantastic talking to you about this and picking your brain on, uh, you know, on the how of, you know, understanding the hows of different types of people. I mean, it's been very insightful to me. Uh, people that want to know a little bit more about Enneagram stuff and, you know, get your help specifically with that. I know that they can find you on Instagram and TikTok. We'll put that uh, in the show notes, but where specifically can people find you if they want to find Melissa Baxter? Absolutely. Um, on Instagram and TikTok, both it's flourish F L O U R I S H dot life strategies. So flourish life strategies is my handle. Um, and both again on TikTok and Instagram, um, the link in bio for both of those will direct you to my booking site and we can talk further, but thank you so much, Travis. I have thoroughly enjoyed today. It's been so fun. Well, I, it's, it's, it's always, it's always so much fun to get to talk to you, uh, just whenever we're hanging out under other circumstances, but getting to talk to you about the stuff that you're, uh, that really obvious that very clearly ignites your passion and enthusiasm, you know, like, you know, knowing yourself, knowing relationships, whatever. It's just, yeah, been super fun for me too. So thanks. I'm so glad. Well, I hope we get to do it again soon. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks Travis. Have a good one. Hey there, Travis Richards, one last time. Thank you so much for investing your time and tuning into the show. I really hope that this was helpful to you and I would appreciate your feedback very much. If you have some notes on what specifically from this episode was useful, or if you have ideas on what we can do better in the future. If you would like to support the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people find us and also just recommend this to a friend. 
To get in touch, visit us at www.getbetteratbusiness.com. That's all for this episode, and I hope that you'll join us again next time. Thanks.